0: Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out, Demystifying HR and People Management. I'm your host, Susan Ney. I would like to extend a very warm welcome to today's guest, Melissa Dealey, coming to us from Whistler, British Columbia. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. I'm
1: so excited to be here.
0: (laughs) Me too. Thank you. And then similarly for our listeners. Hey, before we start, I wanted to just hear a little bit about you and a bit about your background. Now, you're a registered health coach and an integrated health practitioner, originally employed as a business executive in the hotel industry, but getting let go when big fish bought little fish, and then the reality of both daughters suffering concussions from sports industry or injuries caused you to reassess priorities and refocus on a different journey, the one that you're, uh, that's led you to the work that you're currently doing. Now, you have a quote on the banner that sits behind you in your home office, and it reminds us that health isn't everything, but without it, everything else is nothing. So helping others improve health journeys has become your life's passion and your purpose. And oh my goodness, it shows. <laughs> it really does. And I, for me, words like newfound energy, gut health, and dealing with brain fogginess, those ones caught my attention. Now, a huge congratulations to you. You're the a recent winner of the Quality Care Award. You share your wisdom through your podcast, the Your Guided Health Journey. And your YouTube channel, but also through programs that you offer and we're going to talk about those programs a little bit later in the the podcast because uh, both the programs and certainly the YouTube and the uh, podcasts have got wonderful health tips and uh, each of those to help us on our own health
1: journeys. And I just want to say thank you so, so much for all of that. And um, winning that award was a great honor. There was many other um, excellent healers amongst the category. So it it made the award even that much more special. And I'm sure the judges had a hard time deciding (laughs) who should be the winner. Um, And one thing I just want to note there that uh, is my podcast is don't wait for your wake up call. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, That's okay. The business name is Your Guided Health Journey. So, okay, important, yeah.
0: uh, important clarification. Thank you. We don't want people looking for someone else's podcast. Exactly. <laughs> and and you know, I, I just I know I took a look at the candidates who were being considered for the award, and you're right, you were in with just phenomenal other practitioners uh, doing wonderful things. So, really, a, quite a huge accomplishment that uh, the award was given to you. So well done. Thank you. I, we met when we were both interested in writing books and, and then again, when we both decided to register for learning how to be podcasters and I must admit, it's been really wonderful watching your progress. Uh, the topics that you cover are quite far reaching and very interesting. And, um, We're going to get into those, but first I want to talk a little bit, this is, this is HR. I want to talk about the transition into the work you're doing. So I'm going to step on a soapbox for just a moment. You shared your story with me and I must admit, it made my heart hurt. You'd been working at the hotel for, it was over 20 years, if I remember correctly. And then it got bought out by a larger hotel chain. Yes. And You were literally given an hour to clean out your desk with no expression of appreciation for all of the years that you'd put in and um, all the great work that you'd done over the years. Did I get that right?
1: You did. You did.
0: Wow. But I also heard you tell me that in that moment, you knew three things. One, you were never going to work for someone else again. So a huge loss to any organization looking to hire employees. Two, that whatever you were going to do next had to be of more service to humanity and to the planet. And three, that you had no idea what you would do next, but that you were open to being guided. Now, I know that you didn't expect that guidance to come through the concussions that your daughters suffered, but wow, look at you today. Isn't it interesting how sometimes the largest adversity ends up being in some ways, the biggest blessings. So for people who are listening, who either are leaders or aspire to be leaders, this is not the way to treat people in our organizations, please. And Melissa, you are an absolute testimony to believing in yourself and being a model of what we can create for ourselves when we're determined to move forward positively from those kinds of horrid things happening to us. Um, I, again, I've watched you soar and I suspect that you have never looked back from that really unfortunate situation that you were in. Now, I do want to say that organizations sometimes have to make difficult decisions, you know, organizations merge and amalgamate, but it's the how that this is done. That is so very important. And that doesn't include an hour's notice and no thank you. So... Okay, I'm now stepping off my soapbox. And we're going to get on to you, what you're doing today. And I'm going to start with a really interesting statistic from episode 18, where you share that 90 to 95% of illnesses and stress are lifestyle related, which means that they're preventable. Please tell us more.
1: Yes. So I love this statistic because this statistic gives each and every single one of us the empowerment to be in control of our health and our health outcomes. And this is new science. This is the new science of epigenetics that's really been coming out in the last 10 years. We used to think that it was all our genes that determined whether we would get a disease or not. And we had no control over our genes, right? If your mother had breast cancer, your sister had breast cancer, you were going to get breast cancer. And that's not at all true. What we now know is that only about five to 10% of all diseases are that genetically impacted. Wow. The rest is an equation of it's our genes. So we may be predisposed to some diseases by our genes and then the environment we create inside our body. And that environment is 90 to 95% of the equation. And that environment is created by the lifestyle that we live. It's that environment is impacted by our sleep or lack of Mm -hmm. our stress levels, our nutrition, our toxic load, the toxins that are getting inside our body Mm -hmm. and how we cope with all of that. As our body gets bogged down and our liver and kidneys get bogged down with all of this and they can't get the toxins out. It creates inflammation in the body. And that inflammation is what then triggers the genes to turn on those diseases that you're predisposed to. Oh, wow. But if you don't ever create the inflammation in your body, those genes don't get turned on. End of story. So all you have to do is know how to not turn on that inflammation, how to create a body that is inhospitable to disease. And we can all absolutely do that. It's just not taught through our public education system and our public health. And in fact, Mm -hmm. our mainstream medical doctors are not taught this in medical school because this is all new science and mainstream medicine is very slow to adapt. And so it's on the holistic side where people are adapting more quickly, and realizing it's what's going on. And it's why when I work with someone, I don't just give you seven minutes of my time and hear a few symptoms and say, you've got this. First of all, I'm not a doctor, and I don't diagnose. Mm -hmm. But I give you an hour of my time, because we need to look at all aspects of your life. I want to understand your sleep, I want to understand your nutrition, your exercise, your stress levels, your relationships. You know, are you on any medications that are cause that are toxic to your body, et cetera. And what are the stresses that you've gone through in the last five to 10 years? Because stresses can stack on themselves. So we have time to go through that and get that whole picture of what your lifestyle looks like. So that then I have a starting point of where we're going to go. And very often we're starting with a functional medicine detox because we live in a toxic world. And then I have the functional medicine labs that I can use that will show me what, where the imbalances are inside the body, because that's what I'm looking for is the imbalances. When we have too much inflammation, when our mineral levels are depleted, our vitamin levels are depleted. Maybe it's our omega threes and omega sixes are out of balance. What does that cause? Inflammation, right? Our hormones could be out of balance and many, all women go through menopause. Many women suffer through menopause Mm -hmm. and it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be that way. They just don't realize there's something that they can do. And when we, again, run labs and we see the imbalances in the hormones, we can bring those hormones back into balance, but we don't want to be guessing and going, oh, you might have too much estrogen. You might be too low in progesterone. We need to know first, right? So then we can support the body with the right herbs to bring the body back into balance. And when we bring the body back into balance, it will heal itself. That is what it's designed to do. And so that's why I love this quote. I love this, you know, new science because it gives every single one of us the control and the choice to create a body that is inhospitable to disease and to learn how to do that.
0: Wow. So it's taking all the different puzzle pieces and looking at the
1: whole completed map. Exactly. And so in my training, we were told that it's like being a detective for exactly Mm -hmm. that reason, is we're looking for where those imbalances are in order to guide the body back into balance. And for some people, they may have more than one imbalance. So we address one, and then we might need to address Mm -hmm. the next, right? There's Our health is so individual, right? So there isn't a one size fits all. And so even when I get lab results for people, no two sets of lab results are going to be identical. So we have to work with what's going on for you one step at a time. And I'm assuming
0: that once those lab results come back, there is a wonderful explanation from you about those, which is something that we're tending not to to get from the traditional medicine system where you've got 10 minutes with your physician and you're, you know, you're finding yourself on the internet, you know, scaring the,
1: yeah,
0: heck out of yourself.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. I ask people not to go on the internet because it's very easy to suddenly be diagnosing yourself as dying tomorrow when you go on the internet right yeah you're yeah. We absolutely correct and with my own daughters and their healing from concussion and I was going to all of the appointments with them I realized there was a gap in the system what did other people do that didn't have a mom that wasn't working at the time do in order to navigate this path of healing right because they didn't have the cognitive ability to go to an appointment and come home and tell me what they had been told right? So I went with them. It was for my own learning. I had the time and then I could hold them accountable and remind them of the things they needed to be doing on this healing journey, right? It's not giving up the responsibility to a doctor that gives you a pill. You have to do the work. Mm -hmm. I can't do it for you. But what I do is, as you said, when I get the lab results back, we have another hour long session where I review those lab results with you and we discuss next steps and it's in partnership. It's not me telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. It's Here are the options. This is what we're looking at. We could start with this. We could start with that. I recommend this. How would you like to move forward? Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, then I don't just send you on your way to go do it either. Cause I've seen that happen and not work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We have more sessions so that, you know, we'll meet in another month so that I can see how you're doing now that you've started your healing protocol And I'm in touch with you through that month, through an app, depending on the program that you're on, but most programs, so that if you have questions about anything, you can get your questions answered. And that's really important as well, because anytime we're changing habits and let's face it, most of the work I'm doing, I'm changing the way that you're eating. I'm trying to get you to change the way you're sleeping. If that's needed, maybe exercise, if that's needed, anytime we're changing habits, our brain, which is charged with keeping us safe is going, uh, what you doing? This is new. I haven't seen this before. I don't know if I can keep you safe over here. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Let's come back to what you were doing before because you're alive and I know I can keep you safe there in your comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. And anytime we're stepping outside our comfort zone, our brain starts chirping at us. And so it's really important that people understand the importance of talking back to their brain. Stop listening to those voices in our head and Mm -hmm. actually talk to ourselves. And it's okay to do that. And when you can get your questions answered, you can talk back to your brain. So when your brain is going, what are you doing? This recipe takes way longer to make than those other ones. Why why are you starting everything from scratch? You don't even know if you're doing it right. You can say, actually, yeah, I do because she's given me the recipe. I know exactly what I'm doing. And if I have questions, I can ask her. So you just need to bear with me until I get us to a new place of health and safety over here. And when we talk back to our brain that way and we recognize that it's trying to pull us off and we have the support, we can stick with any program.
0: And that was going to be one of my next questions is creating permanency in the changes that we need. So it sounds as though that, that self-talk, correcting that self-talk and um, really you holding your clients accountable for continuing to do the things that are changes to habits that have got them. The health challenge in the first place are any any other uh tips on sort of the permanency because you know, i think most people you know you either don't want to be on medication for the rest of your life or you 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 do all the right things for a small period of time and then fall back into those bad
1: habits and of course then the illness That's or disease starts back again yeah or there's the yeah. risk of it so several things we have to understand our why. So I start my clients there. Why are you doing this? Why are you working with me? Why are you choosing to do this detox? And it has to be a deep why it can't be, Oh, just because my friend told me to, or because I woke up this morning and thought I should, Mm
0: -hmm. there's
1: always something deeper, right? And when we get to that deep, why I have them writing it out on sticky notes and sticking it on the bathroom mirror and in the kitchen, on the fridge, in the car, even by the bedside table, just while we start to create that these new habits, right? The beautiful thing too is, is that when we create the environment for the human body to heal, it starts healing really quickly. So like I said, almost everyone has to start with a detox because we live in a toxic world and it's a three week detox inside those three weeks. Everyone starts feeling better. It's all at different times. It's different things. It could be more energy, no more afternoon naps. I'm amazed at how many adults take afternoon naps. It could be, you know, get rid of the brain fog, more mental clarity, more productive. It mm-hmm. could be um, less joint pain because inflammation has gone down. There's all different positive benefits. And some people have more than one, but they notice something.
0: So what? What? Happens. what is a detox or does that differ for each of your clients, depending on the illness that they're challenged with?
1: The detox is it's the same program for everyone, but I do have to tweak it for people, which is why it's guided. And I don't want people just to like buy it and try and do it themselves because everyone's starting it at a different point of health. Right. Okay. Some people can move into it really easily. Some people, it's a little bit more work. Some people, it's a real shock to the body and I have to tweak things for them to keep them on the program and and allow their body to come in more gently to it. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of the detox is the fact that we are toxic. I call our liver and our kidneys our overflowing garbage bins. The human body was never designed to have to deal with this many toxins. 144,000 man-made chemical toxins have been introduced since World War II.
0: So are you talking about like hairsprays and like when you talk about toxins, any any quick, simple examples of something that we're all challenged with?
1: Yeah, all sorts of toxins. So yes, the personal care products we put on our skin to you know, our toothpaste, to the chemicals that are in our food that we buy at the grocery store to extend the shelf life or to allow the food industry to make it more cheaply because it's a GMO food, to you know, fire retardants, to sprays that are sprayed on the food in the fields to keep away the bugs, right? So all of these chemicals, chemicals in plastics, chemicals in so many things. And it's at the point now where we can't avoid it. Like even the chemicals that get on our skin from the exhaust fumes from cars walking down the street, right? It's all around us. We can't avoid it. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is help our body get them out more easily. I say that our liver is overburdened and undernourished. So it's overburdened by all of these toxins. It's overburdened by antibiotics and other pharmaceutical drugs. It's overburdened by alcohol. It's overburdened simply by stress, by processed foods, all of these things, right? And it's undernourished because we have depleted soil systems in this era. The liver detoxes in two phases. Phase two is when it turns the toxins to being water soluble so we can excrete them. Okay. It needs very specific nutrients to do that, but those nutrients are not in our soil. So we're not eating them. So how does the liver do that? It's struggling. It is struggling. So on the detox, we're supporting the liver with the nutrients it needs to do this so we can get those toxins out. And honestly, this is probably the single biggest cause of all the chronic illness we have in the world today, is simply the fact that our poor liver and kidneys can't keep up, our bodies are toxic, that causes inflammation, that triggers the genes to turn on disease. We get diagnosed with a chronic illness. If you're diagnosed by your doctor, you're given a drug, And you need to take it every day for the rest of your life, because that's what they know. That's what they've been taught. That's what they're directed to do. Yep. Yep. What we now know is all of these chronic illnesses from type two diabetes, heart disease, obesity, leaky gut, which is the trigger for many autoimmune diseases, some forms of cancer, even Alzheimer's and dementia. They're lifestyle diseases. We can reverse them. Oh, wow. When we address all of the lifestyle factors. Yeah. And we
0: start with the detox. Okay. I'm glad I asked the question. Holy mackerel. Yeah. Okay. Let's it's stop perfect. recording now. I think I need to start. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you'd mentioned what some of the foods that we're ingesting as well as being part of those, I suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love so- your, your quote, just that what you put on the end of your fork is either your best medicine or your worst poison. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so it's I like- guess you would help people understanding the ones that are the poison, and the ones that are the, the good for us.
1: Exactly, exactly. And you know, the worst form of poison, unfortunately, are so many of the processed foods that are out there, right? The shelf life—they want more shelf life so that they don't have as much wastage. Well, there's chemicals in there that are helping keep make it last longer on the shelf, but then we're putting it in our body, right? There's 50 different names for sugar. Sugar's in everything today. And consumers started figuring it out. So the food industry st- tries to stay one step ahead. So they start renaming it under these different names. That so it's too hard for the consumer to see if how much sugar is in the product, right? And actually, and it they're ma- they're man-made sugars. They're not even natural sugars, right? So again, that's a chemical that our body isn't designed to deal with. Just I remember a stat from one of your
0: other episodes that World War One it was fifteen pounds of sugar on average that. That we would eat and it's now up to 125 pounds of sugar in its various yes. um ketchup and yes. forms and yeah, it's not just table sugar.
1: That's exactly. A
0: big increase in a quite small period of time.
1: Exactly. So it's crazy. And part of the reason that happened was in the late 80s, the governments in the Western world were looking at the population and seeing this rise towards heart disease, diabetes, obesity, right? And they're like, well, what can we do about that? And unfortunately they didn't listen to the scientists. They used flawed logic. The flawed logic was if you don't want to be fat, don't eat fat. I remember. Yeah. So we started the low fat, no fat craze, Mm -hmm. right? And marketed the heck out of it. The food industry took all the fat out of the foods, marketed everything's low fat, no fat. Everybody starts eating it. Myself included. I was in the corporate world. I didn't know any different. I drank skim milk for years thinking that was the best thing for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Then when I get into health coaching and I actually now start to understand the science of all of this and I'm like, whoa, you know, we've all just been blindsided by this false advertising
0: mm-hmm.
1: around this. And the reality is, is that our body needs fat. It needs good quality fat. Mm -hmm. Our brain is fat and water. We need fat. What we don't need is all of the sugar. Mm -hmm. And when they put the fat out of the food, the food lost the flavor. So they added sugar to give it flavor. So people would still like it and buy it. We all remember the days of healthy food tastes like cardboard, right?
0: (laughs) I'm a celiac. So yes, I know that. Sometimes yeah. something good can taste like cardboard. <laughs> yeah. I,
1: yeah. So nobody would buy it. So they started adding sugar and then people started buying it. And so the low fat, no fat foods ended up with very high levels of sugar. And guess what? People got fatter. More people were diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. There was mm-hmm. more heart disease. That wasn't the answer, right? Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, wow. we have this whole marketing machine and so much of it is around money. And the food industry knows that sugar is highly addictive, as is salt. It causes cravings. So if they keep putting it in food, we keep buying the food. And that drives their bottom line. And before everybody
0: gets completely depressed, in another episode, you talk about the 80 20 rule in the context of being able to enjoy things like coffee and other habits that we might not want to completely erase from our lives, but just in moderation.
1: Exactly. And so, When we eat in a way that serves our body 80% of the time, it can cope with the 20% of the time when we don't, when we do it the other way around, the body can't cope. And Mm -hmm. that's what starts to lead to inflammation and disease, right? So when I'm working with people through the detox and one-to-one, we're figuring out the right way to eat for your body, because that's different for every single one of us, our microbiomes, are different mm-hmm. to the next, to the next, to the next, because no two of us have ever eaten the exact same foods and been exposed to the exact same chemicals and toxins and our mums' microbes from our, from the womb ever. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So yep. We're all different and we have to figure out the right way to eat for our body. You know, there's, we think of apples as being healthy, but they're not healthy for the person that has an anaphylactic reaction to them. Right. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you know, people are like, well, I'm eating this and I it's healthy and I don't feel good. Right. So I help them figure that out and we can do food sensitivity testing to figure out what your body likes and doesn't like in any given moment. Food is meant to be enjoyed. And so, and also we're all human. So I never ask someone to be hundred percent perfect because that's impossible. I'm not hundred percent perfect, but I can live with the 80, 20 rule. Yeah. What yeah. I really love is during the detox And when I'm working with people, I'm providing recipes and the recipes are amazing. And I eat them all the time. It's not just for detoxing. Mm -hmm. I've never had a client say, I don't like these recipes. Everybody loves them. And we start to, as we enjoy the new recipes and our body starts to feel better, we don't want the other stuff as much Mm -hmm. anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's easier to stick with new habits when we're feeling better. Mm -hmm. as a result of the new habits. And then things become a choice after that, right? Maybe the whole family's celebrating and everyone's having pizza and it may not be the best thing for you. And you know that, but you're like, "Mm, Saturday night, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to have some pizza. And if I feel uncomfortable tomorrow, I'm okay with that. But if it was the day before a really big presentation, you might be like, I'm not going to have that tonight because I know how it's going to make me feel tomorrow. And everything becomes a choice. And it takes me to... uh... Another wonderful
0: quote that you've shared is, listen when your body whispers so it doesn't need to yell at you. And I know having been on lots of diets, you know, where you're feeling a lot better and then you have that piece of pizza and you're, you, know, you know what you feel like the next day, you know, until you keep eating pizza and then that becomes your new norm. So our bodies really do send us messages, I think.
1: They absolutely do all the time. And unfortunately, in this modern era of go, 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 rush, 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 do, 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 we've been trained out of listening to our body. And very often we will write off the symptoms that our body's sending to us. And it's sending us symptoms, asking us to do something differently, which is why you want to listen when it whispers. But we instead go, well, it's aging, it's genetics, It's seasonal allergies and we don't change anything and we keep doing what we're doing. And then that's when the body might start to yell at you, right? Because you haven't changed what it was asking you to change and it's still going to ask you to change, but now it has to start doing it in a way that's going to make you pay attention because you didn't pay attention the first time or maybe the second time, right? Mm -hmm. I like to work with people. When they're paying attention the first and second time so we don't have to get to it being a wrecking ball (laughs) further down the line and you you just again in another of
0: the episodes you talked about it takes 20 minutes when you're eating for our bodies to actually get the digestive process going and to send us the signals that okay you're full and you suggested we should stop eating when we're at a 7 out of 10 um, and just Be a little bit hungry. And also, I think you said to wait 20 minutes before you go for more. Yes. Because it could just be that, you know, you haven't had the signal yet that you're full. We tend to overeat because we're not listening to those same kinds of
1: messages. Exactly. We're not listening to those messages. But also, unfortunately, we're a stressed out population. Even before COVID, the world was the most stressed out it had ever been. And when the body is stuck in that chronic stress state, digestion is turned off and our satiety hormones are shut down. So in those cases, those messages might not even be coming through at all. But if we are actually eating in our parasympathetic state our rest and digest state and digestion is turned on, then Yes, those messages can come through, but they do take some time. So if you inhale your meal in five or 10 minutes and the average person eats a meal in seven minutes, they haven't had time to be able to alert you that you're getting full. And the plate sizes have drastically increased from like the 1950s to now, right? And Mm -hmm. if you eat everything on your plate now and you down that in seven minutes, because you're rushing out the door to do something else. Your brain has not had time to send any signals that you're getting full to have you slow down. And so what I like to invite people to do is to slow down, to eat over 20 minutes instead of seven, to chew every mouthful more, because we have a very powerful jaw. We have salivary enzymes. And when we use our jaw and our salivary enzymes, we're actually taking stress off the lower part of our digestive system, which many people also struggle with. and. When we eat over the span of 20 minutes, then our satiety hormone has time to tell us that we're getting full. So we can stop at a seven out of 10 at our fullness scale. Mm -hmm. If we eat all the way until a 10, everybody's done that. That's Thanksgiving dinner, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how do you feel afterwards? You're lying around on the couch. You maybe have to unzip your top or open your top button or unzip your jeans. You have no energy. You can't do anything because all your energy has gone to digestion to help process that massive amount of food that you just consumed. And yes, it was delicious in the moment, but now you feel like crap, right? Even if it was a super healthy meal. And And if
0: you, if you, if you fall asleep, you know, or go into a slump, that can't be helping that digestive process either. If your body's starting to, to slow down, wanting to have a rest, or does that make any difference?
1: Well, it makes a difference in that your body's in digestion when it should be in detoxification mode. Because when we're asleep, we're supposed to be detoxifying, but oh, we can't okay. start detoxifying until digestion is done. Right. So we're putting that off. And wow. then, so everything is connected. Yeah. Exactly. And everything's affecting everything else. Right. So just back to that Thanksgiving dinner and lying around on the couch feeling uncomfortable. Our digestive system, a healthy digestive system, uses 30% of our energy at any given time. Every time we put something in our mouth, it turns on digestion and it starts to use 30% of our energy. So if we've just eaten all of that food, our digestive system is struggling to process it all and we have no energy to do anything else. But if we eat until about a seven on the fullness scale, We may not feel completely full yet, but that's because our food has not yet been fully digested. We've just Mm -hmm. put it in our mouth. Mm -hmm. But we are eating for energy because if we step away from the meal at that time and our body is allowed to just keep, you know, digesting for another hour, hour and a half, depending what you've eaten, you're going to continue to feel more full. You're not going to go hungry. You're not going to starve, but you're going to have energy, which is why we eat in the first place, Mm -hmm. right? So I also recommend that people start their day with a smoothie. And this is what I do because A, the blender has helped break it down. B, you can get a lot of really good nutrients in a smoothie when you load it with some fruit and veggies and greens and everything else, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you sip it slowly over an hour because it's already pre-digested. I still swirl it around in my mouth to get those salivary enzymes going, get my jaws in on it. It's so much easier for my digestive system to process. It uses less energy. So that means I have more energy for cognitive function as I start my day or for my workout or for anything else I want to be doing. And so it just allows me to have energy for the things I want while still nourishing my body instead of having all that energy go to digestion.
0: You would also, I think in an episode talked about the importance of really chewing your food well, Mm -hmm. not, not swallowing before. You know, again, you're helping with the
1: process of getting the nutrients out of the food. Exactly. And again, most people chew on average three to five times each mouthful. But if you concentrate on chewing, you can chew each mouthful, you know, 20 times easily. Sometimes I have clients do chewing contests and I'll take a bite of apple <laughs> and you, I can chew one bite of apple 50 times. And it's amazing how much juice I get out of that piece of apple and it's so tasty and flavorful. We're just so busy in our lives, we don't realize this information and we don't take the time to slow down and truly enjoy our meals. But when we do, we're helping our digestive system and we get the energy from the food that we're eating because our digestive system is better able to break it down and get the nutrients to the cells.
0: So also in in talking about eating too quickly and too much, I learned from an episode about the taking of antacids has become for many people, their norm to deal with uh, acid reflux and digestive problems. Um, But that taking these antacids is actually not helping our digestion. And um, there's also a baking soda tip. So I thought that was quite interesting with regard to, you know, whether or not you actually have sufficient stomach acids. So can I get you to share a little bit more about that?
1: Sure. So The reason that we actually struggle with low stomach acid is because of high stress, as I alluded to before. okay. That's when we're stuck in our fight or flight state, okay? And our brain is wanting to keep us safe. And so it's producing adrenaline and cortisol so that we can fight or flee, right? In that moment. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, we don't care about digesting the sandwich that we might've had or procreation right? We just need to get to safety. So when we're in this chronic stress state, procreation is shut down and digestion is shut down. And we're also going to not stop and take a nap, right? So when we eat in that state, digestion is not even turned on. If digestion is not turned on, the body is not producing salivary enzymes. It's not producing stomach acid or any of the other enzymes needed throughout the entire digestive tract to break down our food. Again, flawed logic. If you go to the doctor and you say that you have heartburn or acid reflux, their learning is that, oh, that must mean you have too much stomach acid. It's coming out of your stomach and up into your esophageal cavity. So we're going to give you a drug that's going to stop the production of stomach acid. The reality, It makes sense logically, right? Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. the reality is, is that it's triggered by high stress. We know high stress means digestion is turned off. There is no stomach acid being produced. So what's actually causing this stomach acid to come into the esophageal tract? We have a sphincter at the bottom of our esophagus
0: mm-hmm. and it's a
1: one-way valve that allows food to go down and then it closes up nice and tight after the food's in the stomach cavity. Mm-hmm. Under no stress, this gets floppy and it doesn't close up tight anymore. So the little bit of stomach acid that we have can now escape into oh, our Okay. Stress. but it's not a sign of too much stomach acid. The reality is it's a sign of too much stress, and we have to address that root cause, the stress, rather than just try and mask this pain with an antacid. People are popping them like candy day in and day out. And if you read the label on the bottom, you shouldn't be taking it for more than two weeks at a time. And yet I work with people that tell me they've been taking it daily for five years. And I get them off that and we heal their gut. And they're like, wow, I had no idea. So that's the problem with antacids. They're actually doing more harm than good because they're further stopping your body from producing stomach acid and you're still eating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then your body has a harder time to break down that food. And if it can't break down the food, it has about, it has three choices. It will store it in our fat closets. So weight gain, Mm -hmm. or it ends up having a hard time getting it out of the body. And that ends up being either constipation or diarrhea. And many people today are struggling with both. Mm -hmm. They are absolutely not normal. They are another symptom of asking you to do something differently and telling you that there's something wrong with your digestive system and your gut. And we can fix that. We can absolutely fix that. But it's not masking with antacids. Yeah, yeah. The baking soda tip is Mm -hmm. kind of a fun one. So to determine, you can do a little at-home test is to determine if you have good levels of stomach acid or not. And it's literally a teaspoon of baking soda in eight ounces of water. I suggest warm water, not cold water. And you want to drink that down all at once. And then you want to think really, really hard. You want to do this first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, by the way. And think really, really hard about your favorite breakfast and what you're going to be eating. And you want to see it. You want to smell it. If you have someone in the kitchen that's already cooking it, even better because you're going to get the real aroma of it, etc., etc. And after about 15 minutes of smelling food, seeing food while that baking soda is running around in your body, you are going to start burping if you have a lot of stomach acid, because the smelling and this visioning of the food turns on digestion, right? So your body's starting to make stomach acid now, right? Getting ready for food to come in, but you just put in an alkaline. You just put in baking soda. So the acid and the alkaline are going to cause little mini explosions, and that's burping. So okay. if you start burping a lot, you have good levels of stomach acid, okay. but if you do that and you don't burp very much, then you don't have very good levels of stomach acid. Okay. I just thought that was a really neat
0: way to find
1: out. It is. It is. It's a good yeah. test that, you know, it doesn't cost anything and it's easy to do. And again, you know, it, it, people can just have that more awareness around, am I eating in a stress state? Like even now, as I'm doing this, is my body in the stress state? And that's why it's not producing the stomach acid.
0: So talking about stress states, I believe it was episode 26. You talked about the 557 breather Mm -hmm. as a method of de-stressing. Can you explain how this helps? Because I would think if you could get yourself into a de-stressed state before eating a meal, then you're going to be starting to counter that fight or flight
1: You know, and you're, yeah.
0: Anyways, over to you, please.
1: (laughs) hundred percent. And I do encourage people to do this before eating, but not only just before eating, you can do this if you're stuck in traffic and you're late for a meeting and you can feel your stress levels going up. You can do this if your kids are driving you mental and you can feel your stress levels going up. You can do this if you wake up in the middle of the night, you can't get back to sleep because your mind's already started thinking about what you need to do the next day, right? You can do this anywhere. The beauty of it is you always have your breath And it's free so it's very easy to do you literally inhale for a count of five and then you hold your breath for a count of five and if you can't hold it for five hold it for as long as you can to start right it takes a little practice and then exhale for a count of seven do that ten times which takes less than three minutes and it tricks your brain into turning on your parasympathetic nervous system, your rest and digest state, and getting out of the stress state. Your brain goes, huh, I thought I was stressed out, but I'm breathing like a safe person. I must be safe, and it will turn on rest and digest. And the reason that it thinks it's safe is that, again, going back to fight or flight and having to get away from a lion If you're running away from a lion, you're panting. You're pumping your arms, running as fast as you can, and you're panting, right? Mm -hmm. Your exhale is not longer than your inhale in that moment. Ah, okay. I was going to ask about this. Why the seven? Yeah. So when your exhale is longer than your inhale, that's when your brain goes, I'm breathing like a safe person. I must be safe and turns on that rest or digest system. The other thing that it does is if you're counting, doing all this counting, because you're counting to five, you're counting to five, you're counting to seven, then you got to do all of that 10 times. That's a lot of counting, right? So your brain stops thinking about whatever other stressful thoughts it has, because now you've focused it on the here and now and the counting. And so that too helps release the stress. So it's a very powerful tool.
0: Yes. Yes. And as you say, breath is free. And you can do this quietly without anyone realizing that you're actually just trying to calm yourself down. Uh, Wonderful.
1: 100%. Yeah.
0: I loved the title of episode 32. Do you use the words yes and no backwards? And it's an episode about self care. And I think it probably contributes to some of these stressors that we were talking about that many of us are programmed to want to please others and be nice and in doing so, we often forget to take care of ourselves. Um, we've talked about a couple of things that can bring your stress levels down. Any other tips about that self-care and, and making ourselves a higher priority? It's, uh, especially when you, you're dealing with the myriad of things that are typically on the normal person's plate. Um,
1: I know this is a problem. It's a huge problem. And it does come back to using those words backwards. So in naming that episode, we need to all learn how to say yes to ourselves more often and no to other people. But invariably we do it the other way around and we're saying yes to everyone else. And in doing so we're saying no to ourselves because we no longer have any time left for ourselves. And this was something I had to learn when I came out of the corporate world, I shouldn't say I had to learn it. I got to learn it when I went into health coaching. And I looked back and went, wow, I wish I'd known this when my kids were little, because I was that mom and wife and employee looking after everybody else and putting myself last. So when I learned this, I created a mantra around it that was really meaningful to me. And when I tell it to other people, it always lands. And that mantra is that Self care is the most selfless act because it allows you to show up and give the world the best of you instead of what's left of you.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that.
1: Face it, as parents, we're so often giving our kids and our spouses what's left of us. And is that really how we want to engage with our, you know, favorite loved ones? No, not at all. Right. The Mm -hmm. only way you can turn that around is if you look after yourself first. It's the same as the oxygen mask on the airplane, put yours on first before supporting you know, Mm -hmm. putting it on a child, right? So it was a huge aha for me. And in order to change that, I had to use my calendar. So I now block, and I have now for six years, blocked time every day in my calendar for me, that nobody else can take away from me. I have control of that time. Now, something might come up that conflicts with that time. And then I have a choice. Do I want my self-care time or do I want to do this? Maybe this is another form of self-care because it's doing something with a friend that I'll enjoy. And to me, self-care is doing anything that I want to do and that I get joy from. That's it. It can be anything, right? And it's going to be different for every single person. So I have a choice as to whether I do that instead of what my regular self-care is, or do I do that, but now I need to find time later in my day for my self-care. But I now have control of the calendar. I don't get to the end of my day and go, oh, didn't get my self-care done and everybody else took the time away from me. It goes in first. So I literally, I don't do any appointments with clients before 10.30 a.m. Now, sometimes I will do them beforehand, but that's because I've made that choice and I've yeah. changed things around in my day because of people in different time zones and all of that. But that allows me to get up and start my day the way I want to start my day. And in the summertime, that was, you know, I, I always do some meditation when I get up and I do my gratitude journal and then I do breakfast and I'm not rushing over my breakfast. And in the summertime, I was out on my paddleboard first thing in the morning. That was my, I loved
0: your posts. Yes. Gorgeous, gorgeous posts. Yeah.
1: That was my Zen, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Now we're
1: in between seasons. And so it's either my online gym class or a yoga class that I'll do in the morning pretty soon I'm actually going to be having like half days on Thursdays because that's going to be my ski morning. Right. And I'm, and, and I'm talking downhill skiing. And so that takes longer, right. But I'm usually back yeah. in the office by noon. Yeah.
0: And it's, it's going to be another habit that you've got to commit to because mm-hmm. I've certainly circled those hours for myself and then continue to give them away. Right. So, so as, yes. yes, it's a choice. So but holding those for self-care yes. is, is something that you just, again, have to be committed to and understand how important it is. Because when you do that, I know you do present better. And I'm sure that we're much nicer people to be around, <laughs> particularly exactly. for loved ones.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And you do have to commit to it. And so, again, something that I recommend to my clients is you don't just block the time. But when you block the time, you say what you're going to do with that time. Because if you already know what you're gonna do, you're much more likely to go and do it, right? Yeah. Then if you're just block the time and then you don't even know what you're gonna do and then work gets busy and so you just keep working, right? And again, it comes down to each individual. What brings you joy, okay? So for me, it's my paddleboard, it's yoga, it's my gym class, it's cross-country skiing, downhill skiing, backcountry hiking. You know, it's all of these different things that even just going for a walk, right? that I'll put that in so I know what I'm doing, and then I go do it. You're committing to yourself. Yeah,
0: great, great tips. Thank you. You did a a podcast episode on mold. What do we need to be concerned about regarding mold? And how do we know if mold is a problem in our homes? And what can we do to deal with this? Any
1: quick tips? So, some quick tips. Mold is probably one of the most underdiagnosed health issues we face today because the symptoms of mold can be very similar to other symptoms. But if you have like ongoing sinus issues, ongoing breathing issues, ongoing nasal drip, ongoing cold, you know, you're not very sick, but you're just all in your head stuffed up and it's been going on for a long time you might want to consider, hmm, could it be mold, right? And I can run lab tests that will show whether it's mold or not and the different types of mold. Another, it can cause headaches. It can cause, you know, stomach aches. There's so many different symptoms, which is why it's hard to put a finger on for mainstream medicine. And I mean, I had an issue with my daughter with stomach aches when she was in grade one. And the doctor said, well, all little girls get tummy aches, she'll grow out of it. And I said, well, how long will that take? And of course, there's no answer, right? And then I asked, well, can't we run some labs to figure out what's going on? And she said, oh, it could be anything. We'll never get to the bottom of it, which is where functional medicine labs are so wonderful, because over the years, before I even came into this space, I was asking, well, can I do a lab to test my inflammation levels? Can I run a lab to see where my omega-3s are at? Can I run a lab to see if my husband has leaky gut? And each time I kept getting told, oh, there's no such thing, no such thing, no such thing. But there is, it's just on the functional medicine side of things, right? So, but coming back to mold, we can run labs for mold in the body, There are also companies that will come in and assess mold in the home. So if you've had any kind of leak or water damage or know of that, it's well worth having it tested. And very often there's no charge up front to have them come and test it. They just hope that if they find it, that you will then contact them to get rid of it. right? And you want to have a really good remediator company. There's companies that will just get rid of the surface level and cover it up and say you're good. And then it grows back. And there's companies that really get to the root cause, like what I do in my work and get yeah. rid of it once and for all. And you need to know the difference. And so that you can learn that difference from just asking really pointed questions. But also one of the guests I had on my podcast is the mold medic, Michael Rubino, and he has a book called the mold medic and that oh, book, okay. the book will tell you how to choose a good remediator company. He is a good remediator company, but he can't, he's in the States, he can't be everywhere all the time. Right? Right. So he wanted to help more people and he was getting frustrated by going into homes to have to properly remediate after the people had already paid someone else to do it that didn't do it properly. So he wanted people to know how to choose the right company upfront. So that's an excellent resource. And his tip to me On that podcast about how to an easy way to see if you have mold in your home if you're not sure is to lift up the lid of your toilet tank and look underneath your toilet and if you have mold in the lid of your toilet tank it's coming from somewhere oh interesting your home so that's one starting point but of course we live in bc we have a very wet fall this fall um, there is, there are many homes, unfortunately in this damper climate that are older mm-hmm. and that have mold under the carpet, in the walls, etc. cetera, you know, mold is normal in the sense that the fall season, the leaves fall on the ground and we let leave them there and they, they're moldy and then they become, you know, food for the soil or whatever's underneath mm-hmm. next season. Right. So we can breathe in that as well. That's mold coming into the body. Generally, the body can handle that little bit of mold. If we're getting out and getting fresh air, we're breathing things in, we're breathing things out. But if we're living inside with windows closed and doors closed, and we have mold in the walls, we're getting too much mold. And that's when it starts to cause health issues. Oh,
0: interesting. Interesting. Wow. Glad I asked that question. And no, I didn't get to that part of your podcast. So, um, but I do know that people are concerned about mold. So um, mm-hmm. yes. thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about your programs. Um, you have a toxic load quiz um, that you, we will put a, a link in the podcast show notes. Um, tell us a little bit about how that works. And I know you've got quite a long questionnaire on your uh, website about that, that will, I guess, help provide you with some of that background information to start putting those jigsaw
1: pieces together. Exactly. So- That's my intake form for people that are wanting to work with me is starting uh, starting to capture all the information about their health history, because understanding all of that, as you said, helps put the jigsaw pieces together. The toxic load quiz is an entry point to working with me for people. People enjoy doing quizzes. And this one is an aha for people. Because as I said earlier, we so often write off symptoms as aging or genetics or seasonal allergies and think we can't do anything about it. But when you answer this um, quiz and you'll be saying, yes, I have that. I have that once or twice a month, or this is weekly, or this is daily. And you'll start to see all of these symptoms that you have. So it's a bit of an aha. Oh, my body is talking to me and Mm -hmm. I'm ignoring it. And secondly, oh, I can do something about this. And yes, you can. And so it will give people a result as to their toxic load, which we talked about earlier. So they could be mild, moderate, severe, or extreme. And then I invite people to do a call with me to review their results so they understand them and then make a recommendation as to the length of the detox that they should be doing if they would like to step into their health journey and alleviate these symptoms and make them go away because we don't have to live with them when we know what to do, we can make them go away. Yeah. So yeah, so that's just kind of a, you can put the link in the show notes and people can do their quiz and figure out where they're at. And then, like I said, they'll get a follow-up email from me, inviting them to a complimentary call just to review that. So they understand, you know, how this is impacting their long-term health. Wow.
0: And the, the potential beginning of creating health for themselves exactly something else that i noticed when i was digging digging up information to uh, pull together the podcast is that you have been a guider with the girl guide since 2005 but you're also a co-founder of girls matter and um, this must for the years that you've put into this this must be very important to you can you share a little bit about i understand girl guides uh, what what uh, girls matter and why this passion of yours
1: So I have two daughters. So that's why Girl Guides, they went through starting at Sparks all the way through. When I was a young child, I was a brownie for a very short amount of time. My brother was in scouts and he got to go to camps. When I was a brownie, I got to go to somebody else's house and crochet. And so it didn't last long (laughs) because I wanted to go to camps. (laughs) So when I had my own kids and then they were of age to join Girl Guides, I started off as the treasurer the first year and then quickly became a guider because I figured, well, now I could live my childhood the way I wanted to live my childhood and go to camps. And so it was fabulous. You know, anytime we're giving service, it's joyful. It leaves us feeling fulfilled. But I've made some of my best friends to this day through guiding And done some amazing travel as well, as have my kids. And then Girls Matter came from taking the Girl Guides to watch a movie called Girls Rising. And that movie was all about girls that were being denied an education and them rising up to fight for the right for an education. And it was a powerful documentary that I sat through with tears in my eyes because In the first world, our kids complain about having to go to school. And meanwhile, in other countries, they're desperate to be allowed to go to school. And there's just this inequity. And I just decided there, I was still in the corporate world, but decided I need to do something. I need to help these girls. And I had no idea what that would look like or how that would happen. And again was at a conference where somebody said you don't have to know the how you just have to start i love it so the next day i picked up the phone and i called two friends in coquitlam who had a nonprofit to ask them how do you start a nonprofit i thought that would be getting started and they said well what do you want to do and i told them and they said we'd like to do that with you and they already had a nonprofit in uganda and in um, nepal a preschool because so many kids were getting into elementary school, but they were so overcrowded that they were falling through the cracks and coming out illiterate. So if they started a preschool and they got the kids in earlier, learning their ABCs and their one, two, threes, then the the hope is those kids can then keep up through elementary school and they get the benefit Mm -hmm. of full education. So they already had people on the ground. So they said, why don't you fund girls through high school in the same areas we're doing the preschool so we can work with the same staff. So that made total sense. So the how fell into place very, very quickly. And we started a program where girls apply. And because we have staff on the ground, they know the families of the girls. They know the commitment of the families and of the girls. And are the girls academically inclined to be finishing high school? Are they going to do something with this opportunity? Are the parents going to support it? Because there's also cultural issues as well, right? We don't want to be trying to fund a girl whose father is adamant that she's not allowed to go to school. My mission is to break the poverty cycle, one girl, one family, one village at a time, by stopping the girls being married off as teenagers and repeating the poverty cycle of their mom. Mm -hmm. The longer we keep them in school, the more opportunity they have later in life. And there's stats out of India that if India could just educate 1% more of their girls, they could grow their GDP by, I think it was $5 billion. Wow! Well, so that made me realize this is the answer. This is how we break poverty, is we mm-hmm. just educate the girls and grow the GDP. It's not easy, but it can be done. So that's where Girls Matter came from.
0: Wow. And I have put the link to Girls Matter so that you may end up getting people interested in learning more?
1: I would love that because we are maxed with our capacity of girls right now for the funding that we have. We don't wanna just start funding a girl and then you know not have funds next year for mm-hmm. her, right? Mm-hmm. So each girl that we fund, we have to know that we have the funds to have her complete high school or complete university, depending what we're funding for. And right now we're at the max of what we can take. And so if anybody is interested, Um, I'd love to hear from you. Excellent.
0: Good. Well, we'll make sure all of that's on the show notes for the podcast. And wow, thank you for, see, (laughs) daring to soar, like in so many ways. Any last nuggets? And I think you've got one extra treat for our listeners um, before we start bringing the podcast to a close.
1: So my nugget is really that you have the power. You have the power to make the choice about your health to live life the way you want to live. As we said, health isn't everything, but without it, everything is nothing. So when you prioritize your health, then you can do everything that you want to do on this planet. Live your purpose, You know, build your business, raise your family, earn an income. And there's no best time to start, but there is a perfect time to start. And that's right now.
0: And don't you, you've got, um, a boost your immune
1: system. I do. So that's coming up and yeah, you can put the links in the show notes to that. So I'm doing two dates, boost your immune system, obviously living through a pandemic. People are now actually starting to pay more attention to their health and wanting to know how to boost their immune system. Vaccinated or unvaccinated, we have to be doing this. And so I'm doing two uh, episodes. One is on December 1st at 3pm Pacific. The other is on December 3rd at 930am Pacific. It's a one hour workshop, just trying to reach more people in different time zones that will Teach you some of the habits that you have that might be weakening your immune system. It is like a muscle, we have to strengthen it. And when you have these habits and they're unknowingly weakening your immune system, wouldn't it be helpful to know so you can change those habits, Um, as well as um, an immune protocol, as well as some immune boosting food information, and then the best way to really create that body that's inhospitable to disease? So I invite people to join. It's free and share it with your friends and loved ones. And we're going to put the information on
0: for that as well on the podcast show notes. So the link will be there to be able to, um, I think, register directly for for that program. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate that.
0: Wow. Thank you. Holy mackerel. Um, I, as I said at the beginning, I've watched you spread your wings and fly. You're the epitome of daring disorder as far as I'm concerned. And I just see the incredible difference that you're making to the people who choose to work with you. Um, I've read some of the testimonials and uh, certainly in some of the programs, listen to people speak on and some of the other opportunities that you've had to speak um, where people have been asking and uh, talk about how wonderful your programs are. So I do encourage our listeners to take a few moments, go on your website, take a look and and uh, book a consultation call with you try that um, uh, the quiz and just see where 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 you are I know it's kind of scary but uh,
1: we've got to start somewhere right absolutely and it doesn't have to be scary when you know that you're going to be guided through making those changes you don't have to go to google and you don't have to figure it all out on your own yeah and I know you would be a
0: wonderful person to be coaching someone through all of this so for our listeners, if you're interested in connecting with Melissa, all of her contact information, uh, the links to the various things that we've spoken of are uh, listed there, including the free one-hour workshops. It is time for both of us to fly and to bring the podcast to a close. We really hope that you found today's session interesting and uh, informative. Um, I will be back again next week, and I hope you will go and join me again as you, you guessed it you dare to soar because i believe you can it's melissa and susan signing out thank you again melissa for making the time to be with us and
1: sharing all of your incredible knowledge well thank you so much for having me i've thoroughly enjoyed being here and being on this journey with you as we've flown together so thank you so much susan.
0: <laughs> you'll see us up there in the skies that's right <laughs> <laughs> have a great rest the day, so much buddy <laughs> all the best bye bye for now Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review, whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangeney at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.